Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Time. There is the actual tick tock of the clock. Steady, metronomic. And then there is the perception of time, varying in what you may be doing at the time, right? A nice sunny day at the beach with the ones you love zips by in an instant. While that Zoom call work meeting or that boring class that you have to sit through seems to drag on for days. But for the people in the following stories, the tick-tock and the perception got out of whack with reality and they found themselves in some very strange situations. It was 2005, and I was in the Army at the time. One of the other guys and I had decided that we would come into work on Saturday morning for a few hours and do some preparation for a rain shoot that was taking place on Sunday for a platoon of Army reservists. We agreed to meet at 0800 at the unit compound where we both worked and hoped to be finished by around 1000 hours, giving us plenty of time to enjoy the rest of our Saturday. I awoke the next morning at 0630, same as I always did during the working week, went through my usual morning routine and left my house at 0730 on the dot. It was only a 15 to 20 minute drive from my house to the base mostly on quiet country roads before reaching a small town where the base was located on the outskirts. About ten minutes into my drive, I saw a very thick fog engulfing the road ahead of me. Now, it wasn't uncommon to see fog in the morning in this area, but I was surprised at how dense it was. I had to slow down to what felt like a crawl as I drove through it, and my visibility was restricted to only a few feet in front of my bumper. After what felt like, I don't know, maybe a minute, I emerged out the other side and returned to normal speed. But I suddenly became aware that it looked and even felt like much later in the morning. The sun was now high in the sky and the day much brighter than it had been only a couple of minutes before. I took a quick look at my watch. It read 0745. There was a cafe on the way that had these really delicious bacon, egg, and cheese breakfast burgers, and I was hungry. I had enough time to stop, grab one and a coffee, and still make it to the base by 0800. I stopped, got out of the car, and walked into the cafe. Now, the first thing I noticed, the place was empty. Nobody at the breakfast counter, nobody in the booths on the outer edges, and the tables were clean and void of people. For a place that had always been a bustling breakfast joint, this was a bit odd for this time of day. They usually had ready-made hot breakfast items there, and it was a popular place. I approached the girl at the counter and asked where everybody was. She replied, We stopped serving breakfast at 10.30. 10.30? 
but it's not. Confused, I looked at my watch again. It read 0750. But it's only... And I took a look at the large clock on the wall behind her. It read 1050. I looked at my watch again. Then at the clock. Sorry. Um, but is your clock telling the right time? She turned and looked at the clock, then back at me and said, Yes. Mind if I see what your watch reads? I'm sure that isn't the right time. She held out her arm so I could see, and it read the same as the clock on the wall. Wow. Okay, um, thank you. And I walked out of the cafe without buying anything and got back into my car. I was in somewhat of a daze. I mean, my watch and the clock in my car were both telling me it was still early morning. Yet it certainly didn't look like it outside. And both the clock on the wall in the cafe and the girl's watch said it was almost 1,100 hours. I started the car and continued into town to the base, all the while going through possible scenarios in my head about what was going on. I knew I had not slept in, and it wasn't possible that my alarm, my watch, and the clock in my car were all three hours behind. As I pulled into the parking lot at work, I saw my friend standing next to his car, smoking a cigarette. He gave me a really foul look and was holding his arms up in the air as if to say, Where the hell have you been? I got out of the car and greeted him nervously. Hey man, um, how's it going? You're a bit late, aren't you? Thought we were meeting here at 0800. Yeah, I know, um... And I couldn't think of what to tell him. <laughs> I mean, what do you say? Uh, I'm sorry, man. Um, something must have gone wrong with... And I looked down at my watch. It had just gone past 0800. So I tried to explain what had happened. I showed him my watch and the clock in the car. He didn't look at all convinced... You know, and neither was I, to be honest. How had I lost three hours of my day with no explanation? Well, whatever, man. I've done all the prep work for tomorrow. I've got to take off. I'm late. I was supposed to meet up with Amy half an hour ago. He was quite annoyed, I could tell. And he got in his car, and as he drove past me, he rolled down his window. You owe me one! I gave him a smile and a nod, and I watched him drive off. Feeling embarrassed, confused, I sat back in my car and again contemplated all the events from when I first woke up until now. I began to feel as though that fog had something to do with it. When I came out on the other side, three hours of my life had either disappeared or I had gone forward in time somehow. Years later, after I got married, I told my wife about this experience. She, being quite spiritual, was quite open to the idea. I may have entered some type of time portal or a glitch in time. Ben, on the other hand, who I'm still friends with to this day, is still waiting for the day that I finally tell him what really happened.
This happened to me and a friend of mine about 18 years ago in London. I'm a fairly rational person, and I don't tend to go for supernatural explanations. But this is simply something I cannot explain. So, me and my friend Jay were visiting a friend of ours for the weekend in London. We had driven my 1989 Austin Mini down from Leeds in the north of England. We were both young at the time. I remember Jay hadn't passed his driving test yet, so I was driving. On this particular Saturday night, Jay, my friend Alex from London, and I piled into my Mini to drive across the city for a party. Not some drunken teenage party, but a birthday party with a range of people. But as we were just of legal drinking age, Alex and Jay were going to have a couple of beers, not get silly drunk, just a couple. I was staying on the soft drinks to drive us back to Alex's house. The party rolled on into the night, and we were having fun playing some guitar and piano. And after a few beers, Jay decided that he was getting hungry. So I, being the good friend, said I would drive him to find a fast food place. We didn't bother to ask anyone at the party where we might find some food, even though most of the party-goers lived nearby. The area is pretty busy and built up, and it's usual to find a burger or kebab place open even after midnight, so we decided to wing it. We drove around for a bit, this being before smartphones and Google could direct you to anything that you wanted. We turned onto a high street and saw a familiar golden arches of a McDonald's lit up about halfway down. Jay decided, yeah, that would do. I was a little surprised to see it open. Now, at that time in England, some McDonald's were starting to open late on a weekend, but this was still before the days of 24-hour Big Macs everywhere you go. I looked for a place to park because all the parking spots on the road were taken, probably by residents who lived in the little flats above the shops. London has always been a nightmare for parking, and it wasn't out of the ordinary to find cars parked illegally too deep on the side of the road. Being a newish driver, I elected not to do that, as I didn't want to risk a ticket, even though it was late and there was no one around. Not a soul, actually. Looking back, we agreed that we didn't notice a single person on that street, just dark, empty cars and dark, empty shops with a restaurant glowing with light in the middle of the seemingly deserted high street. We drove up and down the road a couple of times, doing tight U-turns as only the tiny many could do. We passed a closed bank, no parking, a closed dry cleaners, no parking. Then halfway down, opposite the McDonald's, Jay noticed a small spot just outside a car parts shop. Through the day, this was likely a loading area for the shop, and I would have to squeeze the tiny car between some barriers to park there. But to get it off the road for a couple of minutes, yeah, this would do. We parked outside the car spare shop and went into the McDonald's. We immediately looked at each other, somewhat puzzled. McDonald's restaurants did not look like this anymore. This one looked like they did 10 years prior, when I was a little kid. Hard plastic benches within fake wood boots, yellowish tiles, and more fake wood and fake plastic plants around the place, all lit with harsh fluorescent lights softened by dirty covers. Odd, but not, I guess, super strange. So we walked up to the counter. There was no one there. No other customers, 
and seemingly no staff. After waiting at the counter for a minute or so, a girl seemed to pop up or something. Uh, talking about it afterward, neither me nor Jay could remember where she had come from. She was just there, behind the counter. She looked young, maybe late teens, short and slim with black hair. She was dressed in the usual McDonald's uniform, including the baseball cap. None of that seemed unusual, but there was something a little odd about her. Afterwards, we could only agree that she seemed impish, or sort of elf-like. Did she have little pointed ears? We couldn't remember, but it did seem to fit with our impression of her. Was it how she moved, her mannerisms? We didn't know, but all we could say was she was different somehow. Giving each other confused glances, we said nothing at the time and proceeded to order. Jay got his usual plain cheeseburger meal and I just got some fries. I wasn't that hungry. Jay got out his wallet to pay, only fair since I had driven there, and he got out his card and passed it to the girl, but she wouldn't take it. I fished mine from my pocket, but she stopped me and said, we only take real money. Now that was an odd statement, especially in a McDonald's. The chain had been accepting major credit cards since before I was born. I asked if there was a cash machine nearby. She said she didn't know, so we didn't have any cash on us and we left disappointed. But right there as we walked out, on the wall right next to the restaurant in a closed convenience store, a cash machine. How could she not know? So we got some cash and we went back in. Half laughing, we informed her there was an ATM right there. She just smiled and took our money, asking us to sit and she would bring us the food. We sat in the empty, strange restaurant and started talking about how weird this all seemed. But before long, the elfin girl brought our food over. The food was fairly ordinary, you know, the usual one would expect from McDonald's. We ate quickly without much conversation, and we left, thanking the smiling pixie girl on the way out. I carefully backed the mini from its little parking spot, and we retraced our route to the party. I'm sure we would have forgotten all about the experience if that had just been it. But this is where things get really weird. We had been gone over two hours. This wasn't possible. We had been driving maybe 15 minutes each way maximum and spent maybe 20 minutes in the McDonald's. Even allowing for finding that parking spot, it only added up to about an hour, but certainly not two. Alex had been worried, trying to call us for the last hour, but it wouldn't connect. His calls were right there on his old Nokia, the type we all had at the time. Me and Jay checked our phones, which had been in our pockets the whole time. People didn't constantly stare at their phones back then. You know, they didn't have cameras, you know, no Facebook. You know, they were just phones, and neither of them had made a single bleep all the time we were gone. And no missed calls either. But sure enough, we had been gone over two hours were creeped out now, and you know, me and Jay started telling Alex about how weird McDonald's had been. 
Alex looked confused and asked where we had been again. I told him I didn't know the street names as I'm not familiar with the area, but I described the road, the bank, the convenience store, the dry cleaners, and the little parking spot I used outside the car parts shop. Alex knew the street. This was his home city, and he was familiar with the area his friend lived, but he insisted there was not a McDonald's there. Well, I had had enough. This was just plain stupid. Fast food restaurants don't pop in and out of existence. Alex must be thinking of a different road. But no, he was sure. He knew the car parts store well, as he bought bits for his car there. Jay suggested we all go see the McDonald's to settle the matter. The party was winding down anyway. We could drive past on the way back to Alex's house. Maybe it was a different road. Maybe the restaurant had only very recently opened. So the three of us piled into the Mini, and I began retracing the turns to the Mickey D's. Alex sat in the front and confirmed that I was indeed driving to the street he apparently knew so well. Me and Jay teased him that he was going to look pretty silly when we showed him the fairly obvious restaurant that he was so stubborn did not exist. So we turned onto the little high street. There was the bank, the dry cleaners, the convenience store, and of course there was the... Except it wasn't there. That McDonald's that we had just been to was not there. Wait a second. I went over it all again in my head. There was the auto parts store. That was where we parked. I had to concentrate to get the little car in there so I wasn't going to mistake it for anywhere else. It was the right street. There was the convenience store with the ATM nearly opposite. But no McDonald's restaurant. Just a clothing store, closed and dark with shop mannequins staring blankly at us. It must be here. Jay's voice was a little shaky. And that's the last thing anyone said on that car ride. I didn't know what to say. Even Alex seemed freaked out. Maybe he could see how genuinely shaken we were, or maybe he decided not to play anymore. He still says he doesn't believe us. But me and Jay went to that restaurant, or somewhere else, and we lost an hour of our lives. He wasn't hungry anymore, so he had eaten something. Somewhere. This is by far the weirdest thing to ever happen to either of us. Although me and Jay will bring it up now and then and laugh about the disappearing McDonald's incident, we've given up trying to explain it. It still troubles me, though. Did we shift realities briefly in that little car? <laughs> or are there dimension-jumping fast-food restaurants out there in the multiverse, materializing to feed the hungry and the dead of night? <laughs> I don't know, but I know I won't ever forget it. Have you ever heard of the multiverse? The idea that we all live simultaneously in infinite parallel universes, 
that there is another you in an infinite number of realities with each fork-in-the-road decision splitting off into another reality. The what-ifs are more like what-ars just in another realm. We just aren't aware of it. We only see and experience one reality at a time because our brains can't handle all that information of multiple realities. It would make us crazy. Physicists talk about string theory as a way to point to the possibility of the multiverse. In string theory, everything is composed of vibrating strings of energy, and that string theory equations have an incredible number of solutions as opposed to just one. The tough part for people to think about is that we can jump mentally to another us in other universes. In theory, we are doing it constantly without realizing. We can jump accidentally or on purpose, but in order to protect the paradoxes and sanity, every time we jump, we cannot remember our previous lives in other universes. We gain those new memories as if they were the memories we had always had. For example, you are married to Amanda here in this reality. You go to sleep, and by accident, you jump during the night and wake up married to Christine in another reality. You would be a little freaked out by that, right? Now, you won't, or at least you shouldn't, because your new memories would tell you that you have always been married to Christine and you won't remember anything about Amanda. But I do. I remember my wife. My Amanda. I woke up one morning not too long ago, next to a woman who is not my wife. There were kids in the house, and those were not my kids. She tells me they are, but... I know they aren't. For whatever reason, I still have memories of my previous reality. Several weeks back, when I was in my original reality with Amanda, I was struggling. I'd just been laid off. We were struggling with our finances, and I was under a lot of stress to find another job so we could pay bills and survive. One night, I was not having any success falling asleep. My mind was worrying about everything going on. You know, money, job, family, rent, food, over and over and over. I had heard about the multiverse and had even read some weird things about being able to jump from one realm to another. I imagined myself with a lot of money, a great job, Norman Vincent Peale's power of positive thinking on a really big scale. I wanted to provide for my family. A few days later, I began to see owls. Not just a few, but a lot of owls. Now, I dig owls, and I had read that seeing owls was a good sign. Maybe my life was going to make a turn for the better. And I was right. It did change, but not as I expected. A few days later, I woke up next to a woman that was not my wife. Well, she is, 
in this realm. At least, that is what my brain tells me, but somehow, it doesn't feel right. In this new life, I have another family. I live in another, and I have to tell you, a much nicer house. I have a good job, and a lot more money than I did previously. But I know this is not my life. I am burdened by the memories of my past reality. I only wanted more money, not another family. I miss them so much. I remember Amanda perfectly. I remember going to my kids' soccer games. I remember that crappy job I got laid off from. I want to go back. I tried the same technique again, but nothing has changed. I'm lost in this new reality, in this dimension. A lot of the things look the same. I even went to my old house looking for Amanda and the kids. The house is there, looks the same, but there's another family living in it. Nobody knows about my Amanda. I tried social media, but she's not there. And even if I happened to come across her, would she remember me? My current wife is really worried about me. She and her family want me to talk to a doctor. But I know I'm not crazy. It's not fake. It's too real to me to be fake. I'm beyond desperate. You are not supposed to remember your past or your other life, but I do. I remember so much about that other world that I came from. If it had happened like it was supposed to and I had no memory of Amanda and the kids, I'd be just fine, happy even. Christine is a wonderful person, and the house and the money and all the other stuff is cool, but I know she is not my wife. And sorry for those kids, but they are not mine. Though I'm certain if I took a DNA test, it would prove otherwise. I don't want to be mean. But I don't love them. I love mine. The ones from my true reality. I miss you, Amanda. And no matter the problems, I want to come back to you, wherever you are. Tick, 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 tock. The clock does not stop. Time is the fairest arbiter of life here on our tiny blue marble floating in the vacuum of space. But is it just a human construct? A non-objective reality? Einstein said, people like us who believe in physics know that the distinction between past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. And the people in today's stories seem to bear that out, that life and our recognition of it is merely illusory. But we keep on going and keep wondering what truly lies beyond our own perception veil.
Hey, this is Steve White. In my own construct, this is the final episode of Season 1 of The Perception Veil. I'm going to take some time to regroup and recharge, work on growing the audience for the show, and do some planning for Season 2. I have some bonus mini-episodes in mind for the coming weeks, but those will be a bit sporadic. If you enjoy the show, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and tell a couple of friends. Visit my WordPress website. You know, the link is in the show notes. And if you have a strange, paranormal, supernatural, spooky, sasquatchy, UFO, alien story to tell, send it my way at theperceptionveil at gmail.com. It may just wind up on a future episode. And if you would like to buy me a coffee, well, there's a link to that in the show notes as well. Thanks for the support and getting this thing kicked off and rolling. And I'll see you on the other side of the perception veil with season two soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.